0: You're listening to Wikisleep Podcast, a podcast designed to help you relax and unwind through calm, quiet storytelling. I'm your host, Adrian Sala. If you're enjoying Wikisleep Podcast and feel like giving us a review, that is something I would greatly appreciate. And, if you'd like to know more about the podcast, or support it, you can go to wikisleeppodcast.com. As we get started today, I suggest taking a moment to pause and take a few deep breaths. If you can, breathe in and out of your nose. When you start, breathe in slowly, filling all the way up. And When you get full, pause, hold for a moment, and then breathe out again slowly, repeating this a few times. If you find your mind wandering away from the story, try taking a few breaths again to bring you back to some calm and some focus. Today's story, The Shell of Sense, a ghost story, written by Olivia Howard Dunbar and first published in Harper's Magazine in 1908. It was intolerably unchanged, the dim, dark-toned room. In an agony of recognition, my glance ran from one to another of the comfortable, familiar things that my earthly life had been passed among. Incredibly distant from it all as I essentially was. I noted sharply that the very gaps that I myself had left in my bookshelves still stood unfilled, that the delicate fingers of the ferns that I had tended were still stretched futilely toward the light, that the soft, agreeable chuckle of my own little clock, like some elderly woman with whom conversation had been automatic, was undiminished, unchanged, or so it seemed at first. But there were certain trivial differences that shortly smote me. The windows were closed too tightly, for I had always kept the house very cool, although I had known that Teresa preferred warm rooms. my work-worn basket was in disorder, it was preposterous that so small a thing should hurt me so. Then, for this was my first experience of the shadow-folded transition, the odd alteration of my emotions bewildered me. For at one moment, the place seemed so humanly familiar, so distinctly my own proper envelope that, for love of it, I could have laid my cheek against the wall. Well, in the next, I was miserably conscious of strange, new shrillness. How could they be endured? And had I ever endured them, those harsh influences that I now perceived at the window? Light and color so blinding that they obscured the form of the wind, tumult so discordant that one could scarcely hear the roses open in the garden below. But Teresa did not seem to mind any of these things. True. Disorder, it is true. The dear child had never minded. She was sitting all this time at my desk, at my desk occupied, and I could only too easily surmise how. In the light of my own habits of precision, it was plain that the somber correspondence should have been attended to before. But I believe that I did not really reproach Teresa, for I knew that her notes, when she did write them, were perhaps less perfunctory than mine. She finished the last one as I watched her, and added it to the heap of blackboarded envelopes that lay on the desk. Poor girl, I saw now that they had cost her tears. Yet living beside her day after day, year after year, I had never discovered with deep tenderness my sister possessed. Toward each other, it had been our habit to display only a temperate affection, and I remember always having thought it distinctly unfortunate for Teresa, since she was denied my happiness that she could live so easily and pleasantly without emotions of the devastating sort. And now, for the first time, I was really to behold her. Let no one suppose that this is an easy thing to bear, the relentlessly lucid understanding that I then first exercised, or that, in its first enfranchisement, the timid vision does not yearn for its old screens.